Well, there are few words in the English language that put us on an emotional roller coaster like the four-letter word work. See, our work relationship is complicated, right? Because we love work, but at the same time, we hate work. We brag about our jobs, but then we complain about our jobs. We're inclined to make work mean everything for us or make it into a meaningless thing for us. Why is our relationship with work so complicated? Last summer, there was a show that came out on Apple TV called Severance. And the, the, the kind of the premise of the show is that uh, people are able to medically split their consciousness in half between their work life and their personal life. So you're completely severed. Your work self, the version of you at work, has no knowledge, no awareness of what you're like at home or outside of work, and vice versa. At home, outside of the job, you have no idea what you do in your work. There's this total separation between the work you and the outside you. In the show, that severance, that separation is pitched as a gift to humanity, as if it's this kind of split that would increase and enhance our work-life balance. But, but in the course of the show, you realize that splitting work and life actually turns out to be a trap. There's this telling line from the employer figure of the show. The surest way to tame a prisoner is to let him believe he's free. One of the many cultural critiques of the show Severance is that when we separate work from who you are, you're not actually more free to enjoy work and life. You're actually made into a prisoner because of that separation. Do you sever work from the rest of your life? Maybe for you, you've just settled for a negative view of work, like it's just a burden that you have to put up with. Or maybe work is so far down the list of your priorities that you're content to do the bare minimum and skate by. Like you maybe follow the George Costanza method. Here's what Costanza says, I always look annoyed. When you always look annoyed all the time, people think that you're busy. And so if I just look busy and stressed out, then nobody's going to ask me what I'm doing and I can just kind of be comfortable and coast. Or maybe you're kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum and you feel this pressure to use work as a means of justifying your existence. And so you let your job consume your life. And that way, maybe you've actually made your job into your God. Maybe you've heard that expressed through the words of Harold Abrahams, the character from Chariots of Fire, based on a real British Olympic athlete. But Harold Abrahams is trying to use his work, his career, to satisfy everything in his life. It's so badly that he actually severs his work, his career, from actual, his actual life, from any meaning that he could have. Here's how his character expresses that in Chariots of Fire. I will raise my eyes and look down that corridor, four feet wide, with ten lonely seconds to justify my existence. But will I? He goes on to say this, I'm forever in pursuit, and I don't even know what I'm chasing. Has your experience with work been like that? Like you're forever in pursuit, you're chasing something, you made work into everything, but then you get to a point where you don't really know what you're chasing anymore? See, when we sever our work from God and from the rest of our lives, we're prone to make work either into a meaningless thing or we're prone to make work mean everything for us. And both of those errors actually minimize what work is meant to be and who we're meant to be. And the Bible gives us guardrails of wisdom to help us navigate this complicated terrain of work. The Bible shows us what work is meant to be, how, how it's gone wrong, but also how it's redeemed. 
First, what's our relationship with work supposed to look like? Let's look at Psalm 8. See, God's design for our work as human beings. You have made them, you've made human beings a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. This is a high view of work. Psalm 8 is saying that there's the capacity for work that is stamped on the image of every human being. You're crowned with glory and honor. You are made to rule and exercise authority over God's creation. No matter who you are, what stage of life you're in, God created you to work. God gave us work to do with our hands to participate in the work of his hands, to extend his kingdom for his glory. I like how the Christian author and thinker Andy Crouch summarizes this sense of authority Psalm 8's talking about. He says this, think of authority this way, the capacity for meaningful action. So at a fundamental level, work is just living out your capacity for meaningful action. And now if that's true, then that means that work is not just about a season of life or a little section of your life, but about all of your life. Psalm 8 is showing us that your labor is about more than just the nine to five. You are crowned with glory and honor when you're studying algebra, when you're training for a race, if you're analyzing a spreadsheet, if you're changing diapers, whether you start your day farming or fishing, you're working within God's design for work. If you're learning, if you're creating, if you're serving, if you're teaching, if you're protecting, if you're leading. And by the way, there's no separation here between white collar and blue collar, between work in the home or work in the office, between being in grad school or being in retirement. If this morning you are drawing breath in your lungs, then you have been gifted by God the capacity for meaningful action. In the biblical view, labor is not a liability. Work is not a consequence of sin that we have to put up with. It is a created good. And it's a gift from God, one that we'll have in some way, shape, or form in the new heaven and new earth when Jesus returns to make all things new. So the problem is not that we have work. The problem is that we sever our work from God's design and from God himself. And so we make work into a meaningless thing, like George Costanza, or we make work mean everything, like Harold Abrahams. That's what happens when we disconnect our work from God. So this morning, thinking about your work, do you sever your work from God, from God's design? One of the ways that Proverbs invites us to assess our view of work is by showing us a caricature called the sluggard. So the sluggard is a character in the Proverbs that, that at one hand, it makes us laugh to read about the sluggard, but it also makes us cringe. Let's look a little bit about the sluggard in Psalm 26 how Proverbs describes a sluggard. The sluggard says, there's a lion in the road. There's a lion in the streets. He's making excuses for why he can't leave his home and go to work because he's afraid a lion might come get him. As a door turns on its hinges, so does a sluggard on his bed. This guy is so pathetic that he can't actually make his way out of bed. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish. It wears him out to bring it back to his mouth. I want you to just picture a person that would be like this. This is like the George Costanza of the ancient Near East, right? We're supposed to think this is a little bit funny, a little bit ridiculous. But, but Proverbs also gets really serious when it talks about the sluggard. The next verse says this. The sluggard is wiser in his own eyes 
than seven men who can answer sensibly. So the sluggard, the lazy person, he thinks he has his life figured out. He's wise in his own eyes, but he has no idea how big his problem actually is. See, ultimately, the sluggard isn't funny. The sluggard is a fool. And we're meant to learn from the sluggard because he's neglecting his capacity for meaningful action in God's world. And so his work has become meaningless. But remember, Harold Abrahams, it's possible to sever your work from God and make work mean everything, right? So consider how the Proverbs describes the workaholic. Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Do not trust your own cleverness. So on the one hand, the sluggard is a fool, but Proverbs is saying, so are the workaholics who can't rest, who won't rest, who work themselves to death to get riches or status. They're forever in pursuit, but will eventually get to a point where they don't actually remember what they're chasing. Don't trust your own cleverness when it comes to your perspective of your work or your life. So why is getting work right such a big deal in Proverbs? Look with me at Proverbs 15. The way of a sluggard is like a hedge of thorns, but the path of the upright is a level highway. Now first, notice with me how how the contrast in the wisdom of Proverbs is different than what we might expect as good modern Westerners. Because the Bible is not contrasting the sluggard with a good hard worker who's just a good go-getter. The the Proverbs is actually making this into a character issue. The contrast is between the sluggard and the upright. So the Bible's saying at a very basic level, how you work says something about your character. How you work is a window into who you really are, into what you think your life is really about. And let's pay attention to these three words, hedge of thorns. For a Jewish person living in the context of the Old Testament, these words stand out. They're like a hyperlink to a key moment in the story of Scripture. The words hedge of thorns take us back to Genesis 3 and the intrusion of sin into God's good creation. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. So this is the curse that enters God's good world because of the sickness of sin. And so the good work of gift becomes corrupted by sin. Proverbs is connecting our wrong view of work to a wrong relationship with God. And it's pointing us to the self-centered nature of sin. See, see both the sluggard and the workaholic are self-centered and short-sighted. And that severs them from any meaningful action they could really have in life, but also severs them from the meaning that they're meant to have with their creator because they're just serving themselves. How do you do that? Are the ways that you serve yourself through your work? Here are a handful of different things that we can tend to chase in order to serve ourselves through our labor. So the first is easy pickings, just the cash, right? Cold, hard cash. So we work hard to have paychecks as pathways to get stuff or experiences. See Patrick's sermon from last uh, Sunday on materialism and consumerism. But we're just working for the weekend here, right? But there's another way. You can also be chasing the flex. So, so you work hard, you go to your job, you think about your calling as a way to get grades or degrees or promotions or raise successful kids as a way to gain status compared to other people. Or what about this? Maybe you're just, you have a view of escape, so you're working to be done working as soon as possible. It's just a thing to get away from. 
Or, or maybe you're a little bit like me and you're, you're just working to have the dream job as quickly as possible. That's the end goal. Now, just to be clear, earning money is not a bad thing. We need it. Success or retirement, dream jobs, those aren't necessarily bad things. In fact, these things might be the fruit of good, meaningful work, but it is possible, it is easy to work for these things and completely sever our work from the capacity for meaningful action that glorifies God. So some of us can be self-centered and we play the sluggard in our jobs as employees. Think about your work. Whatever season of life you're in right now, remember it's about all of life, whatever season you're in right now, would people look at your life and the way that you work, the way you spend your time, the way you use your presence, and would they say that you are crowned with glory and honor? Would they say that, that you're honoring God with the way that you work? Would your boss say that? Your coworkers, your customers? Or when they look at your work and the way that you live, that window into your character, would they say that you're just skating by? Have you severed your work from any really meaningful capacity for action in God's world? But remember, Psalm 8 is not just about the nine to five, it's about all of life. And so there are more elusive ways that we can fall into the trap of the sluggard. So maybe you're the kind of person who devotes lots of good, hard work to your nine-to-five job or whatever your vocation is right now. You devote hard work to your employer, to your organization. But maybe you're like the workaholic and your capacity for meaningful action is severed from other people in your life. Now look, I get it. You're devoted to your job. You're devoted to your cause. You're providing. You're making a difference. And you might be the last person in your office that your boss or your coworkers would call a sluggard. But what would your family say about the way you use your physical presence, your emotional capacity, the way you use your phone? Would they say that you're being a sluggard? Your close friends, the people that God's put in your life for you to care about, See, it's really possible for us to be the top dog in the office, but be a sluggard when we walk in the front door of our homes. All of us are forced in some way, shape, or form to confront the reality that the sluggard or the workaholic could be in view when we look in the mirror. But the good news is that Proverbs doesn't just show us our problem with work, it shows us how to move back to God's design for work. First, Proverbs reminds us that good work is hard work. Look with me at Proverbs 22. Do you see a person skilled in his work? He will stand in the presence of kings. He will not stand in the presence of the unknown. So whether your work is in an office or a classroom, in your home, if it's in a hospital or a studio, on a construction site, you are called to be skilled in your work, to grow, to learn, to explore, to make good and beautiful products, to provide innovative and significant services because you're skilled. So good, skilled work in and of itself is something that glorifies God. Wise people are hardworking people. But that hard work is not about satisfying self-centered cravings or desires. Look with me at Proverbs 21. The desire of the sluggard kills him for his hands refuse to labor. All day long he craves and craves, but the righteous gives and does not hold back. So again, notice that the sluggard is not contrasted with a hard worker, but with the righteous. 
with a person of substantive character. And the sluggard craves and only thinks about himself. For him, his work is completely severed from other people. But notice how the work of the righteous is directed outward. See, the righteous person works hard, skilled in their labor, but in a way that gives to other people. But what about you? Do you sever your work from other people, your calling, your vocation? Again, whatever stage of life you're in right now. Because wise work is meant to be hard work that blesses other people. In a really beautiful way, Proverbs is showing us that the outcome of our labor is meant to be love. And if love is the outcome of our labor, then the Bible corrects a widespread assumption that we have in our cultural moment today, the assumption that our work is just a burden to get through. I like the way that Tim Keller describes this in his book, Every Good Endeavor. Think of the cliche that nobody ever gets to the end of their life and wishes they'd spent more time at the office. It makes good sense, of course, up to a point, but here's a more interesting perspective. At the end of your life, will you wish that you had plunged more of your time, passion, and skills into work environments and work products that helped people to give and receive more love? Can you see a way to answer yes to this question from your current career trajectory? Does your labor lead to love? When you think about where you are right now or what direction you're heading with your calling, the calling that God has for you to live into, is it helping people give and receive love? Because if it is, if work is about helping people give and receive love with what we do, then there is no such thing as a small work or a small task that you can be called to. Because work is a vehicle to not only love other people, but also love God himself. Colossians 3 says this, Whatever you do, work heartily, work hard, work in a skilled way, as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Now think about the weight that the Bible is adding to your calling in life right now. No matter where you are or what you do, what season of life you're in, your work, your vocation is a holy calling from God. So when you're doing good work, you're not just serving a client or a patient or a student or a boss or a child. You're serving Jesus. You and I are crowned with glory and honor to work to point back to his glory and honor. That's what happens when we let labor work through our love and let love work through our labor. That's a beautiful picture of work. And at some fundamental level, all of us probably want that. But knowing myself, I still have this unrelenting tendency to use work as a way to love myself. And so I vacillate, go back and forth between playing the sluggard or playing the workaholic. And I get back in the trap of severing my work from the rest of my life, severing it from God, severing it from other people, severing it from love itself. And that way, work exposes the deepest need that all of us have as human beings, the need to give and receive love. So do you sever work from love? From the thing that God really wired you to both give and receive, the fundamental part of what it means to be human? How is it possible for our work to lead to love? Well, for work to lead to a place of love, it has to come from a place of love. Look with me at Ephesians 2. 
For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So if you're here this morning, you are God's workmanship. Just because you're a human being, you're God's masterpiece. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're, you're create, crowned with glory and honor to work for God's glory, but also you're recreated in Christ Jesus because of his love for you, because your maker delights in you. And having that kind of identity rooted in the love of Jesus frees you to walk in whatever purposes that God's prepared for you, whatever purposes or professions or places that God has mapped out for you, you can walk into those things because you realize that he loves you and delights in you. Here's the thing. Your work can be severed from the rest of your life. You can live that way. Your work can be severed from other people. Your work can be disconnected from love. Your work can be disconnected from God. Or... Your work, your life can be rooted in the steadfast love of Jesus. And when that happens, your work, your entire life will create ripple effects of eternal significance. No matter where you are, what you're doing. That's the love of labor. Your labor can lead to a place of love if it comes from a place of love. Earlier, we considered the words of Harold Abraham's who's always in pursuit, not even sure what he's chasing. So work has become something that means everything, but the pressure is just unrelenting. But his contemporary, Eric Little, had a very different take on work. So Eric Little was a follower of Jesus, and his work wasn't meaningless. Eric Little worked hard. He was a successful gold medal Olympic athlete. And yet, at the same time, his work didn't mean everything. Little was even willing to sacrifice work success for the sake of being faithful to Jesus. Here's how his character describes his view of work in Chariots of Fire. God made me fast, and when I run, I feel his pleasure. Now look at those words. Do you you see how free he is? Because his identity is rooted in Jesus and in how God has made him. He not only has the capacity for meaningful action, he has a capacity to feel the pleasure of God in any action he undergoes. What would it be like to work that way? What would it be like to live that way? A lot of us might be familiar with this quote from the line, Chariots of Fire and Eric Little, but but maybe not as familiar with the true story of Eric Little's life after his career as an Olympic athlete. So shortly after his time as a runner, Eric Little moved to China to work as a missionary for nearly 20 years. So his context changed. His season of life changed. But, but he never stopped working. He went where God called him, even when it was dangerous. Eventually, he was captured and put into a prison camp. But even though his context, his life changed again, he still didn't stop working because he believed God called him there. So while in the internment camp, Eric Little served as a leader in the camp. He helped the elderly. He helped the children. He made sure people had food. They made sure all their basic needs were provided for. He would teach them. He would make sure they had an education. He would teach them about Jesus. He kept working because he knew that God was working there too. And that changed his life. It changed other people's life. See, the work of Eric's little life, Eric Little's life was not just about running races and winning medals. That was part of it, and he sensed God's pleasure when he did that. But his work was was bigger than just having a successful job. Why? 
because he believed that he was made by God. He believed that he was loved by God, and that freed him to do the work that God had for him, even in a prison camp. And he kept on working in that camp up until his death at the age of 43. Here's what a fellow prisoner said about Eric Little after his death. The entire camp, especially its youth, was stunned for days. So great was the vacuum that Eric's death had left. So his work, his presence was so meaningful that his absence left a vacuum. Could people say that about you? Do do you believe that God has intentionally made you and placed you in a place where if you weren't there, your presence would leave a vacuum? If you weren't there, the void would leave a vacuum in other people's lives to give and receive love. With his dying breath, Eric Little muttered these words. It's complete surrender. The only way that he could work the way he did is because he surrendered his work to the one who works for him and in him and through him. Because he surrendered his work and his life to Jesus who went to work for him on the cross and through his resurrection. Because he surrendered his work to Jesus who still reigns today as the king over all things. He surrendered his life and his work to Jesus and it changed his work, it changed his life, it changed other people's lives. And the point is not that we have to become missionaries. The point is that we have to see that God has given all of us a mission for our work. The point is not that you have to travel to a far off country and die for your faith, but the point is that we're called to have the kind of faith that dies to a self-centered view of work, to be freed to let love move through our labor. Don't you want that kind of work? Don't you want to have that kind of life? See, God made you to love through your labor, whatever it looks like right now. You are his workmanship. He delights in you as you walk into the purposes that he has for your life. Your work, your labor, your calling, your entire life is meant to lead to love because it comes from the love of Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you in the ways that we are prone to make work into a meaningless thing, but also the ways that we're prone to make work something that means everything for us. Would you free us to see your good design for work and the labor that you have before us, no matter what stage of life we're in right now? God, would you satisfy us with your steadfast love and establish the work of our hands so that your love can work through our labor? We pray in Jesus' name, amen.